A free-spirited petty criminal named Randall Patrick McMurphy fakes insanity to get admitted to a mental hospital instead of a prison farm. While admitted, McMurphy befriends the other patients and begins to challenge the status quo set forth by the tyrannical, oppressive head nurse Mildred Ratched. What follows is one of the most deserving films to ever dominate the Oscars and the film that put Jack Nicholson on the map. 1975's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm Connor Zagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And you're listening to Filmgasm. Happy Friday, listeners. Welcome to our Connector episode to this past Wednesday's Shining Revisited. Cuckoo's Nest is a masterpiece from director Milos Forman, two-time Oscar winner for this film and 1984's Amadeus. It was based on the award-winning novel by Ken Casey, which I recently read for the first time. Incredible book. Yes. Won five Oscars. Best Picture, Best Actor for Jack Nicholson, Best Actress for Louise Fletcher, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. The Big Five, one of only three films to accomplish this. Two of which we've covered now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to do something on It Happened One Night eventually. It was also nominated for four more Oscars, Best Supporting Actor for Brad Dourif, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score for Jack Nietzsche. Woo! We talked at length about Jack Nicholson's Oscar history in The Shining, but he did win his first of three Oscars for Cuckoo's Nest. Louise Fletcher won as well for her iconic role of Nurse Ratched. She became so typecast by this movie that she couldn't land anything else truly significant throughout her career. She's appeared in the occasional hit, but mostly just bit parts. It's actually kind of sad. Very sad. Yeah. She played such a despicable See You Next Tuesday that, like, nobody this is it. could ever see her as anything else. Yeah, this is it. And even she's admitted, like, yeah, I'm a goddamn monster. Yeah. Will Sampson, who plays Chief Bromden, was a Native American actor who was cast primarily because he was the only Native American the producers could find who was of a similar size to the character. He died in 1987 at age 53 from complications due to a heart and lung transplant. And he's, like, considering he was kind of, like, the only choice, he's he's really fucking good. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) He does a great job. He's perfect, yeah. The film also features early roles for Christopher Lloyd, Danny DeVito, Vincent Scavelli, and Brad Dourif. They all do do a great job and stand out in an epic ensemble cast. Yeah, oh, my goodness. (laughs) One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest has an IMDb score of 8.7, Rotten Tomatoes score of 93%. It was an enormous success, grossing $163 million on a budget of only three. <laughs> and why don't you tell me how much you love this movie? Uh, well, first off, I love the book. Yes. The book is a, ma- is a goddamn masterpiece. I don't know, Ken Kesey, you know, the book came out in 1962, which, uh, you know, typically with, like, monster movies like this that make this much money, typically it'll be a quicker turnaround. Like we just talked about The Shining. It's a much quicker turnaround how it got released as a book and then got, came out as a movie just a couple, you know, two, three years later. Yeah. This took a lot longer. This book became a like mega, like one of the you know greatest fiction books, you know. Of the 20th century. Yeah, like right away. And so it had, it had like a decade and a half to really get its audience and gain this like cult following of people. And during that time, Ken Kesey's, you know, hosting concerts with the Grateful Dead are playing on his property and everybody's taking acid because he would always volunteer. Ken Kesey didn't make a lot of money. Uh, and, and what money he did make, he tried to give away, you know, as much as he could. And so he would like supplement his lifestyle by taking acid tests for the government. Wow. During the 60s. 
Shit. And so he's inviting people over like Hunter S. Thompson and Allen Ginsberg and just, you know, these legendary people, these these people that more young people should know about. Yeah. Um, obviously, these are, you know, big names, but you'd be surprised at how many people don't know who Ken Kesey is or don't know any of Ginsberg's work or, you know, can't name a you know a Dylan album. You know, these these 60s monsters, you know, and Ken Kesey's a part of that group. Uh, very much so. And it's because of this book and it's because of his willingness to to look at everybody the same and uh this movie is a statement this book is a statement the story is a statement uh bo goldman adapted it he's the one who wrote the screenplay and then of course milos foreman you know uh, a legend a guy who already had done plenty of short films and you know had, had done stuff in europe and then just became a monster over here with this one uh yeah there's 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 not a whole lot i can say other than i love everything about the movie it's actually pretty simple. Yeah. It's pretty cut and dry. Uh, I think it moves so swiftly for, I think it's like a two and two twenty or something. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel like it at all. Oh no. Every scene is kind of like, it's kind of like, Oh, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. It's the definition of we've, we've, we've talked about this. It's like very rewatchable and you can kind of jump in on any scene and be like, Oh, here's the scene where he's acting like the baseball t- game is on the screen. Oh, here's where they're playing basketball. Oh, here's where they're on the, the fishing trip. Oh, here's like the end of the last 20 minutes where just, you know, I got to see everything that's happening. Um, yeah, it's, it's a masterpiece. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's one of the only, one of the only like favorite movies I have that I can like unbiasedly say, like, it's just a masterpiece. There's movies I love that I can see why other people wouldn't. But this one, no. Like, this is a, this is a through and through masterpiece. Uh, it, it, you know, we talk a lot about horror here. Yeah. You know, this is not that. This is a uh, drama to the bone and powerful, powerful dialogue from people who are labeled insane or crazy by society just because they don't act as the powers that be want them to, you know. They got problems. And that's what Ken, that's what Kesey's goal was. was he, he went, you know, to write this book. He went and hung out at Psychiatric, you know, and he would talk to these people a, a while on acid. You know, and he's he's trying and, he, you know, he's trying to say like we've just kind of put these people over here in this building but that's not really helping anything you know they they still need to be talked to and still need to be a part of everything that's going on so you throw this mcmurphy character in there and it's just he's the catfish he's <laughs> the one who's making everybody question things and is he insane is he not that whole thing i, I don't think he is <laughs> no I don't <laughs> he's think definitely great. not no. no he's definitely not is he dangerous yes um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's just perfect. It's just perfect. It's like what you look for when you're like, oh, what's, you know, something that's just going to entertain me for two hours. Like, this is it. This is like one of those things. It's one of those, one of those perfect ones. And I'm really glad the Academy recognized that when it came out. Yeah. Swept up the big five. Like you said, only, you know, there's only three films that have done that. And this is my favorite of those three films. <laughs> I love Silence of the Lambs with all my heart. But this is, this is my favorite best picture win of all time ever. Uh, Vinny movie that's ever won. This is the one that I point to. It's my favorite. Uh, yeah, they got it right that year. <laughs> and the 70s were very tough, I know. I'm really glad this came out after Godfather because I really wouldn't want them to go against each other. <laughs> Chinatown already had to do that. <laughs> I don't want Jack yeah. to have to do that twice. This took down Jaws, though. It did, it did. And of course, in hindsight, you're like, well, Jaws is like this, you know. I say one for the Kukaness is like for everybody. Jaws is really for everybody. It's just... You know, it's like family fun, but it's also 
scary. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, yeah, I don't hmm. really want to talk about Jaws. <laughs> I could go on forever. No, yeah, the 70s are packed, packed and loaded. It's my favorite decade. That one, that one in the 90s, you know, are my two favorite decades. You know, you look at them and they're just, they've got guys coming in, you know, becoming their own. And I would put Milos Foreman in that. He started becoming his own uh, here in the States anyway. Yeah. During the 70s, uh, it, you know, Martin scores hazy. <laughs> You know, it's a competitive time. You know, a guy, the guy who made the Godfather movies. It's a competitive time. Um, and One Flover stands out still. Still. Almost, almost 50 years now, you know, 45 years uh, to the date. It's really crazy. I, I adore, yeah, both, I, you know, both hand in hand. Same thing with The Shining. Those are very different, uh, book and movie, but I love them both. And these are, these are very similar. Uh, aside from the book is all narrated by Chief Bromden and the the movie obviously can't really operate that way. Yeah. Because we have to believe you need that juicy fruit scene at the end to like, Oh fuck. You need that. <laughs> you need that. You do. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's, yeah, it's a masterpiece. How many times have you seen one flew over? This was my second time. Yeah. See that? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> one floor was one of the ones that I, I just couldn't even, it was like impossible to avoid. Even like with my, I know movies were like shoved down your throat. <laughs> they they weren't necessarily shoved down mine, but I couldn't even avoid this one because it's just one of those. It's like on the internet because you're looking, you know, if you're looking at anything Oscar related, it's like always in the conversation because it's like one of the greatest performances in Oscar history. You know, it, yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing. So it's been a part of our. It's been it's been in our it's been in our minds, of course, forever. But yeah, I, I can't imagine only seeing it twice. <laughs> well, I saw it for the first time. 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I thought it was brilliant. <clears throat> I didn't know anything about it. I had barely tapped into Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I'd never seen, no, I had seen Amadeus. So I was a little bit I, familiar. With, I love Amadeus. It's a phenomenal movie. Lo- yeah. Uh, so I was a little bit familiar with Milos Foreman and I just watching it. I just remember thinking like, this is not what I expected because I was very hesitant to go into drama at a young age. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Because I thought, you know, it's, sure. all, it's all probably pretty boring. So why yeah. bother? Yeah. 70s. Yeah. Ooh, I know, man. It was, uh, I hate yeah. that that used to be my mindset. It's kind of not like the, the picture's not quite what I'm, it's not yeah. HD. What the hell? You got to find your way to these things. And I gave this a chance because I think my grandpa recommended it. And I watched Everyone's it. grandpa recommended it. I know, right? <laughs> it's weird, but yeah. And I watched it and I remember thinking like, this is phenomenal. This is crazy. And then I never watched it again mm-hmm. until we did this. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I, I realized like I should watch this all the time. This is a, this is incredible. This is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then halfway through watching it, my 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 uh, my family's disc broke. It yes. just like the the disc just stopped working. It froze <laughs> up. It wouldn't play anymore. So I was like, "Fuck! <laughs> I want to finish this movie. Like, what do I do? Ruin my whole evening." So I was like, "Man, come on over. Come get it." Yeah. <laughs> I just finished it. <laughs> thank, yeah. Thank God I have you know the reserves. <laughs> I've had to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah like, oh, shit, man. We only got a few days. I need the movie. <laughs> I got you. And incredible, without a doubt. Like one of the... <laughs> an argument could be made for Jack Nicholson's greatest performance. I think so. Yeah. I don't I know, though, because so. he's done so much. I know. Well, just in that, like, five-year stint. You know, I know. You're like, Jesus, dude. Yeah. And then, well, those are my favorite three. Chinatown, One Flew Over, and Shiny are my favorite three that he's ever done. Like, performance for him. And probably my favorite three movies he's been in, too. Yeah. Yeah. Just so happens. And I, I can't think of another guy at the top of my head who has like three like that that I'm just oof, I'm blown away by. And they're all so different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You have Yeah, Chinatown where he's just 
and he dominates the screen in all these movies too. You know, he's he is he is it. If he's not there, there's no movie. You know, yeah, that sort of thing. Very true. He carries, carries, carries. He does. Uh, you know, you know who Ken Kesey wanted to play McMurphy? Who? Can you guess? We'll get seventies. What other big time seventies guy? Um, I he was really he was really pulling for him. I want to say De Niro. No, that's a good guess though. Brando, Warren Beatty. That's a good guess. Al Pacino. <laughs> no. Uh, Roy Scheider. No. Okay, I like that guess though. <laughs> Gene Hackman. There you go. Yeah, Hackman. Really? Hackman, yeah, you wanted Hackman to play him really bad. Huh? You know what? I can kind of see that. Me too. Oh yeah. yeah. After, I thought after I think watching could... the French Connection, mm-hmm. I can totally see that. Oh yeah, and there's so many like uh, Nicholson. Oh, I mean, of course, I don't want that to change, but like, I think he could have done a good job too. That abrupt, just like what in the hell? You know? Yeah. What are you guys thinking? Because he's around people are crazy, quote unquote crazy. And then he's like just trying to play cards. <laughs> yeah. Popeye Doyle is kind of McMurphy as a cop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, a piece of shit with with power dealing with these idiots. Yeah, because McMurphy's an interesting character because he's not a hero. Oh no, I mean he's very clearly a criminal who's done some. Dark I mean he's shit. a he's like a misfits hero. Like he's like a he's standing up for like the the, the guys who have no voice, even though yeah. Probably not the guy you want standing up for you, but he's doing it. He's not. I wouldn't want him as the face of my cause. Like, <laughs> no. no way. No. <laughs> but I get it. And he, but I liked his development in this movie as like he has so many like so many ways to get out of this, so many chances to escape this place, and he doesn't take them. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to see Ratchet step on these people. He actually grows to care about. He's them. their leader. Yeah, I he's like their that. captain. Yeah. I love that. It's just makes the ending so fucking sad. It's so yeah, yeah, it does. so bleak, man. It does. It's fucked up. Ooh, so many elements of it, too. <sighs> that right. nurse ratchet. Something of a cunt, ain't she? <laughs> did did, uh, did Ken Casey write anything else? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, mostly nothing like this. No other like novel like this. More like stuff about exper- experimental things. Okay. Um, there's one called Sometimes a Great Notion. Awesome. Incredible. Um. Yeah, and I, I haven't read enough by him, but he has a lot of stuff that he did um, during the 90s when, like, the internet first became a thing. He was like, I'm just going to put everything on the internet for free, you know? <laughs> He's crazy. He was, he, was, he, was, he was awesome, man. He, like, cared so much about the content and the craft and as much as he could and what's the craziest, you know, things I can do. What, what are other people not going to do? And, you know, of course, like, Hunter S. Thompson's a part of, that, part of that movement, that wave of, like, let's go there while we can. Oh, this shit's legal. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Is Dylan the only one left from that era? Of those big guys? Yeah. I guess so, yeah. That I can think of. Of those like big names. Of like the yeah, like the beat the beat, yeah, the beat dudes. Yeah. Um yeah, off the top of my head, yeah. That's a that's a damn And he's name. seems like he's not going anywhere. Nah. It's like he just won Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Or not Peace Prize, but literature prize. Li- yeah. And uh insane. Still crazy. He's unbelievable. Bob, yeah. Dylan. Bob Dylan will always be my favorite solo artist of all time. There's no change in that. Uh, yeah, I love all these. This whole world is so cool to me. That that 60s, 70s stuff, yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, I guess we should dive into the plot of this thing. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I did want to say something yeah. about how wild it is that personal heroes for both of us, you more so Christopher Lloyd, yeah, and Danny fucking DeVito, yeah. like heroes of ours. <laughs> Guys who have been mainstays and things that we both just fucking love in pop culture. I mean, dare I say, you know, Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, you know, kind of important to Connor's life. Pretty significant. And then, yeah. like, not to mention both of our, like, favorite comedic show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Frank is, like, the engine of the show. <laughs> it's just, like, I was watching with my girlfriend, Brianna. I was watching One Flew Over, you know, when I was re-watching it for this. And I was like, do you know who that is? He's watching the basketball scene when he, uh, McMurphy, you know, Nicholson passes the ball into, we'll, we'll get into it, but he <laughs> passes the ball into uh, Danny DeVito's character, Martini, and he catches it and immediately like takes a weird dribble and then throws it right into the fence. <laughs> and I was like, who's that, Brianna? And she's like, I don't know. You know, this is 45 years ago. I was like, that's Frank from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> she's like, Danny DeVito? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's him. That's what he was doing, you know, yeah. in his prime. That's what he's doing. Crazy. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's just, it's so cool doing all, you know, you watch all these things for these different decades and then you go back and see these guys when they're like younger. You're like, oh my God, look at Christopher Lloyd, dude. I know. Look at his hair. No hair. Yeah, this is like <laughs> his, one of his first things. And he, he, he is awesome in this movie. <laughs> awesome. Everyone is. Uh, Billy Bibbit, awesome character. Brad Dourif. I didn't know. God. I didn't know Brad Dourif had it in him, man. No, like, no, this is no. Unbelievable. Um, and then yeah, the, yeah, the movie takes a turn. Yeah, just he's um, one of my favorite underappreciated character actors of all time. Yeah, horror mainstay. You know, as most people know, he's Chucky. Exactly. But you know, he Grima and, and then he the can do this, and he does. He got an Oscar nomination on his first film. Yeah, that's amazing. So cool. And I wish more people knew who he was because mm-hmm. he's incredibly talented and way more deserving. Well, we'll be talking about him more here. So. Oh, hell yeah. Let's dive into the plot of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. All right. 1963, Oregon. Randall Patrick McMurphy, Jack Nicholson, a criminal who has been sentenced to a fairly short prison term, decides to have himself declared insane, so he'll be transferred to a mental institution instead. Jesus Christ. Where he expects to serve the rest of his term free of prison labor and in comfort and luxury. Wow. <laughs> McMurphy. I would rather... I'd rather go to prison than a mental institution. Same. Those places scare the shit out of me. Yeah. And I don't like how you, like, they decide when you get to leave. That's horrifying. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's not like a volunteer. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, it's total. Until, yeah, until we're, yeah, we're ready for you to be a part of society. It's terrifying. <laughs> this uh, this mental institution is, is run by, who we've talked about, like Louise Fletcher, she plays Nurse Ratchet, uh, just uh, right away, cowering, just... She feels taller than everybody immediately. Yeah. Her hair is fucking She's the annoying. wicked witch, straight up. Yeah, and you just immediately, yeah. You, you just, like, yeah, you feel, you, this is the villain, yeah. I always wonder, like, why does she have more power here than, like, the doctors? I don't know. That's always bu- bugged me. Yeah, I'm not sure. And you never really see, like... It's like the doctors don't really care. They don't have, they, they have barely any interaction with the patients. They just have that meeting, yeah, yeah. and, you know, yeah. there, And then they get there too late. Uh, yep. So yeah, you know, Nurse Ratchet's in control. Uh, you know, these these patients, most of them voluntary by choice, but that's not, I no. mean. You break you, a man's spirit, there's no choice. And when you get to know these characters, like Martini, you know, you just, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. Um, you know, McMurphy becomes ensnared in a number of power games with Nurse Ratchet. They immediately become, it's a, cat and mouse game. Yeah. Uh, I would say, actually, it's more of like chicken. They're playing chicken. They're both. Just, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's awesome. You know, I, yeah. I, I can watch, I can watch two good actors go all day, like all day. That's all I need um, for like a movie to, to, to move well. And this is, this is. Like, it's two alphas going head to head. It's, yeah, it's as good as it gets. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, I like to point out, you know, like, like a film that happened recently, like The Lighthouse. You like watching two peacocks just fucking go, yeah. you know, just. 
me and you, football's on the ground. Both of us have to get it. You know, who's going to get there first? That sort of that sort of mentality. And, and yeah, to watch, you know, her go head to head, toe to toe with Jack, is so impressive. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it all always it's just such a wonder that she didn't have a dominant career afterwards. Not a lot of actors can hold their own with Jack Nicholson. Oh no, he upstages pretty well, much everybody. And, and, and then, or we see like Shelley Duvall, who just gets like minimized. Yeah. Because he's fucking delusional, you know. You know when he's that into it, and like you said, you see videos of him. And he's like, "Was that good?" Yeah. You're like this guy, what's wrong with this guy? You know, he's just he's born, he's bred to do this. Oh yeah. He played Joker and had no issues. You know, this he man. Is, yeah. This man just does it. He just does it. And like a year later, he's in a movie. You know, and he does a few Good Men. And you're like, what? Like, <laughs> who are you, man? That is amazing. I didn't realize that. But yeah, he's crazy. Jack is the only actor to play Joker who didn't like. And I'll like, freak the fuck out mentally. Or, or like, wasn't already like, oh, Joaquin, he's a little unstable. Yeah. Like, it's Jack. He's fine. He's Jack. He did. He played McMurphy. He played, yeah, he, yeah he's played Jack, Jack Torrance. Jack shut off crazy like nobody's business. Yeah, it's easy for that him. Dude, that he, dude puts it all away. There's no one better at crazy than Jack. Yeah. Not even close. I mean, he's done it multiple times, you know? And they're different. They're different crazies. Yeah. <laughs> you could say, you know, his role in As Good As It Gets, a whole other brand of crazy. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah a neurotic writer with germophobia, like... Yeah, dude. God. He's man. one of the best ever. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. if anyone was like, yeah, Jack Nicholson's the greatest actor ever. I have no qualms with that. That's that's <laughs> totally fine to say. At some point in my life, I might say that. There's still movies I need to see with him. It's crazy because yeah, yeah. he's got this huge resume and the dude's still alive. His Oscar nominations alone, I've only seen like four. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got like half. <laughs> yeah, he's insane, man. Oh, boy. So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that, that introduction, that kind of character introduction is... Um, what, you know, Ken Kesey did great with the book and what Bolt Goldman did so well, we immediately feel the animosity, you know, and, and you know, like you said. He hates go, authority. Yeah. He hates yeah. it with a passion. Smoking left and right. He's got a beanie on. He's not wearing whatever else is wearing. Um, just wearing like Wrangler jeans and a green t-shirt half the time. And it just <laughs> looks like, what is this guy doing? You know, it looks like he's just about to go out to the bar. Um, <laughs> or he puts on his jacket, you know, looks like he's about to go on a motorcycle. You're like, what is going on? <laughs> is this Easy Rider? What's going on? Oh, <laughs> uh, he's a legend, man. You know, um, I this 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 stuff in one flew over. I remember the first time I saw it, and I was just, I I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this group like these because the sessions start right away. Yeah, where now we're in. You know, we're seeing Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd in action now, and it's like, man, this is these guys are all in a circle. <laughs> I'm sure in 1975 it didn't feel that way, but now with what those guys have all done. It's pretty magical. Yeah. Pretty magical oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> so, all the time, however, the question is just how insane one of the players in the world actually are and whether they belong here. We're talking about McMurphy. R- Ratchet right away has questions about this man. Is he actually insane? Um, what, are, what are his actual, like, what medication do we actually give this man? What is his diagnosis? Yeah. And <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like, it's played for almost humor because you're like, this guy's just fucking with them, like trolling them. Yeah. But it's really dark. It's extremely dark. It's, it's really, really dark. But it dark. really surprised me how funny this movie is. Like off the beat, you know? It's, oh, it's crazy. Hilarious. I mean, I bet a dime. <laughs> For Christ's sakes, Martini. This is not a dime. It's nothing. <laughs> this is a dime. <laughs> Fucking cigarette. <laughs> oh. Uh, throughout his stay at the hospital, McMurphy forms friendships with his fellow patients, but the bonds are deepest with two in particular. Billy Bibbit, a suicidal, stuttering man-child whom Ratchet 
has humiliated and dominated into a quivering mess. And then, of course, Chief Bromden, a six foot five muscular Native American who has schizophrenia and is believed to be deaf and mute. Do you think he, he's really schizophrenic, or they just said that to keep him there? Keep him there. They yeah. want to keep him there. Yeah, but yeah, especially with the book too. You put it. Yeah, you're like, nah. I don't know. In the book, I think he's kind of schizophrenic. Look, look, yeah. There's definitely like yeah. actual parts in the book where you're like, oh, this guy's seeing stuff. But I still don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's amazing. I, 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 I'm due to read that book again. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm glad I read it in time for this. I yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I timed that to. really well. I had to. Recognized by the patients in the ward as deaf and unable to speak, they ignore him, but also respect him for his enormous size, Chief Bromden. In the former, McMurphy sees a younger brother figure whom he wants, talking about uh, Billy Bibbitt here, he wants to teach and have fun, while the latter is only his real confidant, as they both understand what it is like to be treated into submission. Yeah. Very dark, uh, the, the way these guys get along. Their bond is through pain, is through, like, these people wanting to control how we, how we act and what we do each day. Yeah. Well, I mean, just showing, you know, Billy the slightest bit of, you know, human decency. Oh, yeah. He's, that was a long way. Yeah, he's talking to Billy. Yeah. And Billy's like, what? You know, you, you, he's like, you have the patience for me? You know, it's amazing. Yeah. That's, which, which is where, like, you can see why some of them, like, rally around him. Like, he's their hero. You're like, oh, man. <laughs> it's tainted. <laughs> it is tainted. Uh McMurphy initially insults Chief Bromden when he enters the ward, but <laughs> attempts to use his size as an advantage. For example, <laughs> while they're playing basketball, uh, you know, of course, being six foot five and you got a bunch of short guys, especially Danny DeVito, <laughs> running around, that's an advantage. Uh, <laughs> when, when McMurphy sees how, submiss- how submiss- submissive the patients are under Ratchet's control, he resolves to antagonize her, undermine her authority as much as possible. At a counseling session, McMurphy proposes that the ward's work schedule be altered so that the patients can watch the World Series. Yeah. This would be in the 60s, 1962. I believe that would have been the Yankees. And I'm not sure who they've been playing at that time. I'm Fuck. pretty sure the Yankees won in 1962. Fuck, dude, still. So. Impressive. That, uh, what a scene. Yeah. When he's trying to, he's like, let's have a vote. Uh, <laughs> let's have a vote, shall we? <laughs> Uh, you know, come on, let's get the hand, get your hands up. Come on, let's see. Let's What's the matter the with you? Don't you want to watch a ball game? Yeah, like, yeah, just uh. screaming at these guys. Like, come on, like, I, I swear it'll be more fun than this bullshit. <laughs> I swear to you, because I'll have fun, therefore. <laughs> I promise you. Oh, I hate, man. like, burned into my fucking head is Nurse Ratchet's smug little smile every time she does anything that hurts one of these people. Yeah, it's the fucking worst because she knows that she is God here, and even at the end, nothing changes, and it hurts so bad. And I just, I want it. I want somebody to take her down. Yeah, and then we get close, but we never I get know. that full satisfaction. I know, man. Ugh. Ah, oh, jeez. So the initial attempt to get this World Series on the TV, which is literally right next to where. They do their sessions. The TV. Yeah, there's no just, reason they couldn't do this. No, for, no, yeah. it's just just to piss. It's power. Out. Yeah. So it initially does not go well, um, and, and Max like, well, fuck this, man. I'm gonna pick this thing up. I'm gonna throw it through that fucking window. Yeah. And I'm gonna go to a bar and watch the ball game. <laughs> what do you guys think? You know. And they're all like, well, you can't lift that thing. You know. And he's like, yeah, you guys want to bet on it? <laughs> Tabor's like, I'll take that action. Yeah, yeah. He's always. I, I love that. He's like, I'll bet a buck. <laughs> <laughs> And his eyes light up, yeah. <laughs> and 
McMurphy proceeds to try to lift this thing. This water fountain. There's no way. This shit is bolted to the ground. There's no way this man, you know, it's Jack Nicholson. He's not that, you know, not that strong. No. He can't, come on. There's no way. So, of course, you know, he, he, he like strains. But, I mean, Jack Nicholson is acting right there. He's trying to lift this thing off the ground. I swear, I bet Jack was actually trying. Yeah, probably. To lift the thing out of the ground. Yeah. It does not happen. And he just tells him, at least I've tried. At least I did something. And walks away, you yeah. know, like, just like defeated at... Kind of defeated with his troops. Like, come on, guys. Raise your fucking hands. Yeah. You know? So, the next session, they hold another... They hold a a legit vote. Everybody's everybody's ready for it. And, you know, he's... She's like, okay, we can do that. We'll see what happens, you know? There's 18 people in the room. Yep. About 10 of them are sitting at the... In the session, are actually sitting at the session. The rest of them are dancing or doing whatever. Outside of the group session, and like all of them raise their hands, nine of them, and you know they're like, "Whoa, it's a landslide!" He says, "It's a landslide." Yeah, and she's like, "No, I only see half of the hands." You know that you would need ten for majority. And he's like, "What are you talking about? They're, look at all this. We all have our you're, hands up. You're gonna count the vegetables?" Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh man. Oh, fucking hell, man. And then he tries to. He goes around trying to get everybody to lift their hands. Nobody will do it. And then finally, Bromden raises his hand. And McMurphy's like, we got it, we got it. And Ratch is like, the matter's been closed. The, the, the vote had, yeah, has been closed. <sighs> and he is pissed. Legitly, yeah, I get it. Uh, understandably. Yeah. He, because he, the World Series, you know, baseball, the way it works is they play every fucking day. Mm-hmm. So the, even the World Series is like game one on Tuesday, game two on Wednesday. Unless you're traveling to a different city, then you have that break. But yeah, like, they're all like ready for it the next time because they're like, oh, okay, I see what he was. I see what he was saying. He wants he wants to watch the baseball game, and it's like, well, we have another one again the next night. So let's just do it tonight. Let's just watch the game today. And she's just just being a, being a bitch. And you know, you get that nurse ratchet man. Her name's become synonymous with horrendous women in power. Yes, it's it's crazy. Yes. Ugh. So. Probably my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Is how he responds. And it's McMurphy sitting on the couch, <laughs> staring at Nurse Ratchet through the window. She can see him, he can see her. She's like, mm hmm, I beat you. And he's like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. I gotta have one last punch left. There's gotta be something, you know, I can do. And in all of his glory, Jack Nicholson stands up and starts screaming at the television. <laughs> Oh my God, he's rounding second base. Oh, he's go. Oh, it's a ground. Oh. <laughs> Acting as if he's commentating the baseball game. He's rounding second base. Oh my God, it's a home run. Oh. And all of them join him. You know, yeah. they join him around the couch and around the TV and they go fucking berserk. They're cheering this baseball game. They go nuts. And there's nothing on the TV but their reflections. And it's like the saddest but happiest thing I've ever seen in a movie. It's the scene that won him the Oscar. Without oh, a doubt. yeah. It's the scene that, like, when I think about him, I think about him, like, with his hands up in the air and he's just screaming, you know, about nothing. But Murphy will not be defeated. No. You can't kick him down. So he's going to kick you back. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, man, you know, because all these guys rally around him. They're like, he's, at that point, he's their leader. Yeah. That he became their leader. He, in the book, and it kind of shows in here he captains their basketball team, like an actual basketball team. Amazing. <laughs> um, he's, yeah, he's, he's the leader now. <laughs> he's their guy. 
he's fucking, uh, you know, spanky. <laughs> <laughs> and Brondon's alfalfa. So <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's how it goes. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of, the next, next scene after that is a great scene. He leads the patients in a basketball game against the Ward's orderlies, which Scatman Crothers is also in this. We haven't mentioned that. Yeah. Um, it's really weird that he's also in The Shining, and so him and Jack have that cool connection. <laughs> They've both been in unbelievable movies together. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and he ends, he ends up being a pretty vital character later on, uh, yeah. Scatman does. Um, so uh, Bromden proves to be an effective player as he finally puts the ball in the basket. Because <laughs> he's six foot five, and, and McMurphy being the one who is knowing, knows what's going on the most with it, is like, man, stand right here on the block. I'll throw it to you. Put your hands up. Just put it in the basket. <laughs> put the ball in the basket. <laughs> and he does, you know, and they all go nuts. They throw a parade every time they score, you know, because it's like, this is the first time we've, like, made a couple passes and gotten a basket, you know? And then Bromden walks calmly to the other basket and holds it, oh, holds it closed, and bounces the ball, so out. they can't. Yeah, so the other team can't score because he's six foot five, and they're all screaming, "That's bullshit! That's bullshit! <laughs> it's goaltending, motherfucker!" And then he just walks back and puts another oh, basket. Brownden starts jogging happily to the other side. This is the first joy he's felt in years. McMurphy gave that to them. Ah, oh, so great, amazing! It's incredible. <laughs> in all their glory, they they celebrate as they're you know relaxing in the pool. Great scene. <laughs> Mac finds out from an orderly that he won't be released at the end of his prison sentence, but will remain in the hospital for as long as the Borg and Ratchet deem necessary. Oh, he is devastated by that. He's pissed at everyone because nobody told him that. Yep. <sighs> He's like, where's my team, huh? I thought I was a leader. I should know these things. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> we have another counseling session, and McMurphy, very upset at the orderly's revelation, finds out that he's been listed as committed a committed patient and will only be released when Ratchet permits it. A highly unlikely scenario, of course. Yep, it's going to be there for fucking ever. Uh huh. McMurphy also discovers that many of the patients in the ward are there voluntarily. They can leave any time they wish, but due to Ratchet's dominance, they're afraid to take the chance. McMurphy seems particularly upset that a young man like Billy remains in the ward voluntarily when he could be free and maybe enjoying his youth. He's afraid of his mother, who's friends with Ratchet and yes. also works there. Oh, devastating. So sad. <sighs> the session, of course, quickly erupts in, in, in violence, however, when the subjects of Ratchet's cigarette rationing is addressed by an upset patient named Charles Cheswick. Chesy, Chesy, Chesy. Oh, yeah. One of the coolest characters in the movie. Um, I ain't no little kid! Yeah, just... Yeah, he, yeah he like makes me cry. I think he should have been up for best supporting. He, like, like all he of them, fantastic. man. They were all Christopher, great. Christopher Lloyd is so good. Uh, yeah, they're, they all are. Danny DeVito is really good, man. Bromden. Samson's good. It's crazy. Yeah. This is one of those where yeah, the whole cast just brought it. It couldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked without that. Nah, man. I could see the supporting actor being literally just them. Yeah. All like five spots from this movie. Oh, man. <laughs> Shit. Oh. <laughs> so we talked about how, you know, of course, McMurphy plays cards with everybody. Uh, and they use cigarettes as that's how they gamble. Uh, all the patients who play cards with him have lost cigarettes and money to McMurphy Yeah. after he introduces them to Blackjack, prompting Ratchet to ration their cigarettes. When Tabor is burned by a lit cigarette and reacts loudly and violently and is dragged away, Ratchet tries to restore order. Not so easy. No, 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 no. Charlie Cheswick 
It becomes confrontational as well, and a fight breaks out with the orderlies and Mac, Bromden, who'd pulled one of the orderlies off Mac, and Cheswick are sent to a detention area where electroconvulsive therapy is conducted on disruptive patients. Cheswick is sent first to undergo ECT while McMurphy and Chief wait on the bench. Here we go. Tense. But before that, I love when McMurphy just gets up and breaks the glass to the nurse's station, grabs oh. the smokes, is like, here, all right? Are you happy? Yeah, here. Yeah. Not, you know, and everyone's like, fuck, what do we do now? It's, yeah. That's what starts, that's what causes the initial fight. Yes, this guy, this like noise. Yeah. And then when one of the orderlies starts attacking McMurphy, <coughs> Bromden drops the mop and immediately goes over there and helps him out. Yeah, he's like, I, I got you. Yeah, that's his guy. Yeah, oh yeah. I they're, love that. They're boys. And here they are on the bench together now. Yeah. <laughs> And here's where we have quite possibly the most famous quote <laughs> from, from the movie. Uh, a few moments they have alone, McMurphy offers Chief a piece of gum, and Chief verbally thanks him. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and McMurphy, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you fooled him. You fooled them all. <laughs> oh, man. I love that Bromden, Chills just go, yeah. Bromden uh, trusts him enough to reveal that. Yeah. Nobody else in this hospital and it's knows so, that. it's so slight. Oh, yeah. So slight. Thank you. <laughs> so, oh, man. Juicy Of fruit. course, surprised McMurphy <laughs> realizes that Chief can speak and hear him has feigned his illness the whole time. <laughs> McMurphy resolves <laughs> to allow Chief in on his escape plan because of his sudden, or sorry, because of his hidden wisdom. Ending this scene, a more defiant McMurphy emerges from the detention area to an awaiting nurse ratchet. Mac appears submissive, claiming <laughs> he'll happily join the group again. Frightening scene, watching Jack Nicholson be electroshocked, be fucked up like that is yeah. is rare. Well, also when you can see, you don't really see Jack Nicholson get no. fucked. You know, get in, fucked yeah. up. You in know? Max's eyes, he's not aware of what's about to happen. He's just like, you know, all right, I'll bite down on that. Wait, what? What's going on here? And then he just gets, and he starts convulsing. He's like, you know, freaking out. I love that he wanders back in there, all you know, looking like a vegetable, and then he just, it, you know, he winks at Chief. I love that bit. Perfect. It reminds me a lot, a lot of the bit from Shutter Island when Leo tells Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo's like, oh shit, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> is he or is he not? Those, those moments are awesome. Like what, what happened in there really, you know? Ah, <laughs> oh, so good. Unbelievable. Now we're closer to Christmas. McMurphy, fed up with Ratchet's oppressive methods, sneaks into the nurse's station and calls his girlfriend Candy to bring booze and assist in his escape. Why is the boat scene not in this synopsis? That is, I was just about to think that. I was like yeah. waiting for it. And I was like, they're just not going to bring it up now. No, there's they? no, yeah. This is, this is a very detailed IMDb synopsis that we still have like five paragraphs left. That's a shame. But they don't bring up no one of the most iconic scenes. No fishing trip. My God. Well, let's <coughs> get into the fishing trip. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not, it, it, you know, I saw Candy and I was like, yeah, we definitely didn't talk about the fishing trip. Uh, Mac hops the fence at one point. Yeah. On a ran- this is a random ass day. Jumps on Chief's shoulders. Yeah. And- Climbs up the fence, grabs a branch, yeah. and just drops to the ground. Yeah. And they end up getting the bus, and he drives it. But I love that, like, he could have just ran. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he wanted to take these guys out. Like, yeah. he wanted to change these guys' lives. He really did. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh. It really is crazy. Of course, that didn't go over well. No. That, that, yeah, that's in between some of those sessions. Yeah, that, that's really weird that it's not in the IMDb, like, a thousand, two thousand word... <laughs> It's crazy. A synopsis. Anyways. I love uh, when he goes to the, he, he rents the boat, but well, he steals the boat. 
Yeah, but he tells the guy like, "Oh, I love. Oh, that. we've been. You know, they're all doctors. Yeah, we called ahead. This is this is Doctor Cheswick. This is Doctor Tabor. Like, <laughs> and they're all like, mm-hmm, yeah. Like, didn't you get the phone but, call? We, but they all feel like they're looking at him like he's calling me a doctor. Yeah, this is Doctor Martini. Yeah. yeah, and then he says, "Who does he call Mister? He calls one of them Mister, which is which is a great touch. I, I don't remember I can't who it is. <laughs> great touch. That's great though. <laughs> Anyways, fast forward back to where we were." <laughs> After the, uh, the the scene, the Juicy Fruit scene, um, he's been to therapy, he's back. So, yeah, closer to Christmas, McMurphy, fed up with the ratchet methods, sneaks into the nurse station, calls his girlfriend Candy, who's on the boat with them, to bring booze and assist in his escape. She brings a girlfriend, and they both enter the ward when McMurphy convinces the ward's night attendant, Mr. Turkle, Scatman Crothers, to open one of the ward's secured windows. And he's like, Mac Murphy! what the hell is going on? You know, and he's like, well, you know, there's two girls. So, and Mr. Turk's like, God, ah, man, gets lonely at night. <laughs> uh, he's so agreeable. Yeah. So crazy. Shitty, shitty worker. Oh my God. <laughs> Great in the shining. Terrible in this. It's a good thing. There's nobody homicidal on this ward. <laughs> the patients drink heavily, uh, liquor, uh, <laughs> And, you know, Billy flirts with uh, Candy, of course, which is, which is funny, watching Billy get that confidence because of that magic potion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> the party becomes very loud, drawing the attention of Turkle's supervisor. Older-looking lady who probably doesn't like loud noises. <laughs> you know, uh, Turk, you know, tries to play it off, and, and that doesn't go too hot. <laughs> <clears throat> there's noise happening in the closet behind him and then candy pops up, you know? And so it's like, Oh, you have a woman with you. Could have been worse. Yeah. Could have found all those patients, you know, wasted uh, in the, in the closet there. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it's just, she thinks it's just candy hiding off. She's like, get her out of here as fast as you can. Okay. You know, Turk's like, all right, man. But he's like, all right, McMurphy, like we gotta, you know, figure this out. Party keeps going later on in the evening when McMurphy and chief plan to finally leave. Billy, Upset with Mac at his departure, hints to Mac that he wants to date, say, wants to date Candy. Mac's like, well, you know, you can just sleep with her if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, all right, I guess. Uh, kind of demoralizing for Candy. Uh, she's yeah. just being used here. But uh, <laughs> but I love that Mac gives up his escape to do this. Yeah, he like puts everything on hold because he's like, ah, oh, man, Billy wants to spend some time with them. And he does. He sets up like a private room so they can like hang out, cuddle and do their thing. <laughs> that's that's what happens. Yeah. Oh, Billy boy. <laughs> uh, you know, so McMurphy, you know, while waiting, you know, the, the, he thinks the encounter will be quick. He falls asleep. Yeah. The rest of the patients and the the, uh, the old uh-huh. sun starts to come up. Nurse Ratchet and the orderlies arrive in the morning to discover the patients asleep and hungover in the ward. <laughs> the office is trashed. The ward is trashed. It's awesome. They just threw a rager. Though clearly upset, they're probably listening to Grateful Dead. Though clearly upset and angry, she calmly commands the orderlies to lock the open window, escort Candy's friend out of the hospital, and conduct a head count. When they discover that one patient, Billy, is missing, Ratchet demands the others to reveal his whereabouts. Ah, uh, fuck. Billy's discovered with Candy, basically naked. Um, yep. And they all, when he comes out of the of the room, they're all cheering. For they him. go nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah Billy. You know, yeah, they're like a his, frat. This guy lost his virginity, and you know, all right. Not just that, he lost his stutter. Yes, that he, he became a man. Yes, yeah. in that brief bit, he was quote unquote normal again. Of course, until Ratchet fucked it up. Of course, Ratchet demands that Billy tell him who allowed him to have sex with Candy. Billy she took that away from him. 
Billy's stutter noticeably gone tells her that McMurphy did and that the rest of the ward encouraged him. A passively angry ratchet then threatens to tell Billy's mother, citing her longtime friendship with her, which Connor brought up earlier. Billy stutter returns very quickly and very upset, Hmm. begs ratchet not to tell his mother. When she explains that he should have thought of the consequences, he breaks down into tears and is dragged away to Dr. Spivey's office, screaming. Horrible scene. Oh my God. Frightening, frightening stuff watching Billy. Hard left. Man. Yeah, yeah, extremely. We go from cheering like literally one minute to him screaming going down the hall. Uh, McMurphy, still in possession of Turkle's keys, unlocks one of the windows and is about to escape when Ratchet's nurse assistant, Miss Pilbrough, screams loudly. Oh, man. And she's got blood on her face and, you know, like stuff, you know, on her, her outfit. Oh, man. They, they all go tough. to check on her, check on what happened, yeah. and they find Billy with his throat slashed open. Yeah, he killed himself. He was so scared of his mother finding out about this that he killed himself. And he used a jagged piece of glass. And you see it on the ground, and it is. Oh, I want to use my words carefully here. A darkly, I'll just use two adjectives: darkly, darkly, and gorgeously shot scene. That you feel like, that's just some, a bit of direction from Milos. Yeah, where you feel every every bit of that, you feel like the roller coaster. Like you said, you go from ultimate to high, and every the whole cast that you're cheering for is cheering. Yeah, and then he framed the tragedy like it's needless, and you feel it. Yeah, you feel McMurphy's anger and his pain and his guilt. Yes, and he blows up. He grabs Ratchet by the throat and just starts strangling her. Yeah. Nobody helps. Nobody tries to help her. Ugh, I love that. Even the orderlies are like, not at first. Let them go, yeah, yeah, you know. And then eventually one of them smacks him in the back and grabs and pulls him off Ratchet, who's, you know, he was about to kill her. If only he'd gotten her, man. Would have been a much more satisfying ending. But, you know. But, yeah. This ain't a fairy tale. No. You know, mm. Murphy's unconscious, yeah. And, uh, of course, rumors float around the ward of McMurphy's fate. Some believe he escaped. Others seem to know he was lobotomized. Late one night, though, McMurphy is quietly returned to his bed by orderlies. In that scene, though, you see Ratchet with a neck brace. Yes. She, you know, it's like in 300 when Xerxes got speared. And everyone realized, oh, he's human after all. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what happened here. Her power has slightly been, you know, uh, cracked. Yes. And that's never going to go away. So McMurphy did make an impact here. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And they're never going to forgive her for Billy. Oh, no. Oh, no. Just a piece of them. Yeah, for sure. The chief. Ah, Chief Prombin. Knows what's going on. Oh, yeah. Sneaks over to Max's bed and finds him unresponsive. He also sees two scars on Max's forehead, indicating that he'd been lobotomized. Unwilling to leave McMurphy behind, the chief suffocates his vegetable-like friend with a pillow. Who the hell are they to snuff a fire out like that? Like, a man with that much passion to just cut that out? Jesus Christ. It's terrible. It's worse than death. (sighs) Fucking Bromden. Makes everything okay. Oh, man. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. 
Chief Bromden lifts the fucking thing, the sink, <laughs> out of the ground. Yes. Throws it through the window and runs to his escape. Yeah. And Tabor wakes up and is like, yes! Ah! He's <laughs> screaming with such fervor. It's so great. <sighs> ah, Bromden gets away. He gets away. Yes, he does. He, I know he makes it to Canada. I know he does. 100%. Bromden is free. Someone, someone got out of there. And someone can tell the story of how fucked, uh, you know, Nurse Ratch in that ward was. Yeah. Oh, man. I like to think that off screen, a lot of those other guys jumped out that window, too. Oh, yeah. And just Tabor went just, first. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lloyd Ugh. knocked that bit out of the park. It's not even like dialogue. It's just, oh, yeah. <laughs> excitement. Oh, man. Wonderful, wonderful ending. Extremely sad, but then extremely happy. Yeah. Uh, roller coaster, the last 20 minutes is an absolute roller coaster. First hour and a half is pure, pure entertainment. Uh, uh, awesome, awesome themes here. Awesome stuff, you know. Identity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, friendship. Manipulation. Manipulation. Yeah. yeah big time. Cigarettes. Cigarettes, yeah. Blackjack. Blackjack. Basketball. <laughs> baseball. Fishing. Baseball. Yeah. Great things. Unbelievable movie. 10 out of 10. Not even close. You know, it's yeah. just it's one of those. It's just, there's no discussing it for me. I, I I adore this one. I think we'll be talking about it forever. It's, you know, Milos Forman's masterpiece. It's, to me, Jack Nicholson's most, most impactful performance. Um, yeah, it's just... Perfection. Perfection. I give it a 9 out of 10. Very close to perfection. It's a phenomenal film. Endlessly rewatchable. Still culturally relevant. Yes. After 45 years. Yes. You know, there's themes in here that are never going to go away. You know, any anything about control, you know. Nobody... McMurphy's such an interesting character because he won't let anybody control him. Exactly. He's not a sheep. He doesn't bow to anybody's will but his own. And he loves to fuck up the status quo. Yeah. And... Yeah, he's for that. I won't, I'm still not going to call him a hero, but no. he's definitely, you know, somebody. He's like in that Deadpool. Yeah, like, kind of. Yeah. yeah Anti hero. Anti hero. That whole, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. Solid, solid flick. Wonderful. Awesome stuff. Yeah. Wonderful movie. Awesome stuff. Yeah, again, one of those we'll be talking about forever. Without a doubt. And it's something that I think we'll reference on Filmgasm just as, yeah, it's just one of those masterpieces. When you talk about it because of the Oscars. Yeah, one of three movies that I've done. The big five. Like what? What? To me now is like impossible. It seems like they're never going to do that again. No, they spread the wealth. Yeah, Parasite was rare when it like. It, yeah, and Parasite had no perform performance nominations, which is crazy. Yeah, you know? it is. you'd think it would be. I don't know. It's wild. Mm-hmm. You think that they would give them like the performance nods before they would be like, "Here's all the directing and screenplay and best picture." You know what I mean? Yeah, they'll be like, "All right, let's throw foreign like a couple, you know, a couple bones first, not the whole fucking." <laughs> You know, Parasite got three out of five, and that's pretty good. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. No, I, no, I think it's. I, I'm saying I think it's weirder that it didn't. That like the like the foreign films haven't won, haven't gotten more like nominations for like performances and. Yeah, so they usually have like one every year. Yeah. Like and this it, year it was Antonio Banderas. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Who's someone we're very familiar with, of course, because he's played Zorro and yeah stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always fascinating. Yeah. One for sure. It's part of, part of Oscar history, without a doubt, and it's. Like I said earlier, it's one of the few movies, I think, in Oscar history to really earn that award. A lot of them don't hold up after so much, after so many years. This one will never stop. Yeah. Wonderful. 
Incredible stuff. That's all for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, check out this week's anniversary episode on The Shining, and we will see you next Wednesday for the Japanese Freak Show audition. Oh, boy. That's, I don't know if I'm ready for that, oh, but, but I'm excited to br- branch out. We will never be ready for that. Yeah, so we have to do it at some point. Yep. Till next time. Mm-hmm.